Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today or just want to find out more about the ministries of First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org. As we go to Holy Scripture this morning, I'm going to read from the book of Exodus, and we are in the 15th chapter, verses 13 through 21. Listen for the word of God this morning. In your steadfast love, you led the people whom you redeemed. You guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples heard They trembled. Pang seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom were dismayed. Trembling seized the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan melted away. Terror and dread fell upon them. But the might of your arm, they became still a stone. And to your people, O Lord, passed by. And to the people whom you required passed by. You brought them in and planted them on the mountain of your own possession, the place, O Lord, that you made your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, that your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariot and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks this morning that we turn to your word. This holy text written so long ago is a living word for us this morning. To open our hearts, to hear with joy what you say to us today. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So when you read the title of my sermon this morning, you see it on the screen there before you, you may read it like about time. That's not how I would say it. Rather, I was anxious to share my reflections on one of my favorite movies with the same title. About Time is a film about Tim, who at the age of 21 realizes he can travel through time. After a disastrous New Year's Eve party, Tim's father lets him in on a secret. The men and their family all have this extraordinary ability to travel through time. His father says he can't time travel to change history, but Tim can change aspects of his own life. And the first thing that Tim decides to do with this rare gift is to find a girlfriend. Now, he's able to avoid the blunders and the mistakes that we all make on first dates. And he wins Mary's heart in the end. 
Now, a part of me longs to be able to be a time traveler over the course of my own life. If I could go back, knowing well the person I am now, what choices would I have made that would have affected the trajectory of my own life? Why I chose today to focus on the biblical character Miriam is that she seems to always know exactly who she is in any given moment in time. Her existence in scripture challenges the stereotypes and the ideas we have about the time of the ancient Near East. We learn of Miriam in the book of Exodus, that book that describes the flight of the Israelites from the tyranny and the bonds of oppression and enslavement by the Egyptians and to the beginnings of Israel's identity as a people in the wilderness. Now, when we think about the book of Exodus, our minds usually turn to Moses, the one God called and entrusted to deliver the Israelites. Yet, let us do a little time traveling to piece together Miriam's role, her vital role as an actor in the story. Just before the 15th chapter, we have that tense moment where the Israelites are escaping And the Egyptians are in pursuit. In the words of the biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann, it is through God's very own creation, the Red Sea, that chaos is put back into order. The sea is parted and the Israelites safely cross. And when the Egyptians follow, the sea swallows them up. The Israelites immediately stop to give praise to God for this mighty act. They sing a song attributed to Moses, the song at the sea, a song of God's strength, giving thanks for all that God has done to liberate them from the oppressor and acknowledging God's steadfast love. Then the Bible tells us the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister with tambourine in her hand and all the women went out with her with tambourines and with dancing and Miriam leads them in song. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Reading the Bible, we have the privilege of going back in time in the text. Now we know that Aaron is the brother of Moses. God mentioned that fact back in chapter 3 of Exodus in suggesting that it was his brother Aaron who could help Moses speak to the people. And so we piece together that Miriam and Moses and Aaron are all siblings in this Levite tradition, in this priestly tradition of the Hebrew people. And we also remember if we go back in time in the text that when Moses was a baby, The Pharaoh of Egypt commanded that all of the Hebrew boys be thrown into the Nile River. And Moses' mother placed him in a basket among the reeds of the riverbank. And scripture tells us his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And what should happen in that moment in time, but Pharaoh's daughter comes on the scene. She feels sorry for this baby She wants to take him home, and the sister, whom we now can assume to be Miriam, acts swiftly. Should I get you a woman from the Hebrew people to nurse this baby for you? And Miriam retrieves Moses' own mother, 
Miriam not only helps to save Moses' life, but she has saved his Hebrew identity. Miriam's leadership is lifted up in Exodus and the book of Numbers in equal standing with her brothers Moses and Aaron. Her presence in the Bible stands in contrast in the time that usually regarded women as property or as secondary, excluded from status and leadership. At the Song of the Sea, we see her leadership prominently displayed and respected as a worship leader in this moment. She is the one who points to God and recognizes in herself that she has been given gifts to be a leader alongside Moses and Aaron. Miriam gives credit to God for the liberation and transformation of her people. Yes, Miriam's story challenges our assumptions about women in that society. She is to be treasured as one of our biblical heroes for her ability to take initiative, to act with integrity in the moment when life was on the line, and for her brave challenge of the status quo. So what inspiration can we take in this moment in time from the prophet Miriam? At this moment in God's history, what keeps us from being held captive to past regrets and haunts and tragedies and keeps us propelled forward as people who want to become who we are meant to be, who God has called us to be. The classic young reader's novel, A Wrinkle in Time, tells the story of Meg, a teenager who's out of sorts with her peers and her teachers, her family and the world. Her father and mother are scientists And soon we find out that Meg's father has been missing for almost a year because he has tessered or he has traveled through a wrinkle in time using the fifth dimension. And there are three entities, Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's-It, and Mrs. Witch, who take Meg, her brother, and her friend on a quest to find her father and free him from evil and the galaxy. As the time comes for the children to go on their own, these three entities leave gifts to the children so they can make their way. Mrs. What's-It says, Meg, I give you your faults. My faults, Meg says, your faults. But I'm always trying to get rid of my faults. Yes, Mrs. What's-It said. However, I think you'll find they come in very handy on your journey. It was Meg's stubbornness, her impatience, her anger at injustice, the ability to shrug off what the authority in the room is trying to make her believe. These faults help her in the fight for her life and in saving her father. Meg saw fault with the very things that gave her strength. What holds us steady throughout time, what gives us the ability to do great things, is knowing very well who we are. Recognizing the gifts that God has given us, knowing our faults, and appreciating the rareness and the sacredness of being fully alive in the exact time and the place in which we live. I take comfort in the fact that Miriam acted because she believed in her own worth and value as an actor in God's liberation of God's people of Israel. Along the way, she had been taught this identity, grounded by her faith, her community, her family, empowered to act with confidence. My first week back here at FUMC Bentonville a year ago 
I walked into the building. It was as if time stood still. I could see the place where I sat by Melanie Oliver in the choir, where our dads would turn around and give us the stink eye because we were giggling during worship. Or walking into the pastor's office on Sundays, trying to get my dad to hurry home for lunch so we could go home to our place on Central Avenue. I remember youth events in the annex and candlelight Christmas Eve services here in the sanctuary, top hat reviews in Heinz Hall, pops in the park. I heaped on that nostalgia as soon as I walked into the door off 2nd Street. And I'm sure for many of you, my return felt like a pause in time, a look back at the old Bentonville when our church and our city existed in a different time. When we were still a small town and the graduating senior class hovered around 200, where you knew everyone in town and everyone in the church, when Helen and Sam walked the streets of the square and drove their old reliable cars around town. But this church was always looking to the future, relying on God's vision and trusting in the Holy Spirit. It was this church who challenged the status quo and voted on me as a young woman who felt called into ministry. This church had never had a female elder, but it didn't stop you. I remember Ed Adair introducing me before the charge conference when they voted on me as a candidate for ministry. I remember so many of you when I came back from college and I read scripture from this very place. It was Bert Stacy who asked my dad if I need the summer job at the bank. Being a bank teller is one of the best ways to prepare you for a life as a pastor. <laughs> Just like Miriam, along the way I was grounded in this church, empowered to act with confidence because you believed and confirmed God's gifts in me. I'm grateful for your vital role in the trajectory of my own life. In the last year, we've been swirling around in the Red Sea. We flailed about in a pandemic. We were drowning in some hard financial times. We were treading water far from each other. Each of us faced our own islands of discontent or depression or despair, but we made it. Horse and rider, God has thrown into the sea. The world has changed. Bentonville has changed. We are a different church now. In this present time, we forge ahead to work our way into the post-pandemic wilderness. Who will we be as a church? Let us pause today and give thanks. Let us sing to the Lord a new song. We trust in who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ here at FUMC Bentonville. We've never been the status quo. We are a church not afraid to try new things, to welcome new people, to look to the future. We let go of the past and we move forward to where God is leading us next on the journey. After our time traveler Tim has settled into his life a bit, his dad gives him the secret formula for happiness. Part one of the plan was that he should get on with his ordinary life, living day to day like everyone else. But then came part two of dad's plan, Tim says. He told me to live every day again, almost exactly the same, to go back in time and to live the day again. 
The first time, with all the tension and the worries that stop us from noticing how sweet the world can be. But the second time, noticing. When I look back over my own life, and especially this last year, I can reflect on my experiences and recognize both the faults and the gift of this year. I can't change it, but I can appreciate that they are the things that made me who I am and got us to this point. I'm grateful for the ways you trusted me to lead you even when the way was unclear. Thank you for putting up with the stops and the starts, with the fumblings and the mistakes, and always putting your trust in me and in the God who has led me. My dad also gave me a secret formula for happiness. He would say, these are the good old days. It was his way of saying that one day we're going to look back at this exact moment in time with a heap of nostalgia and remember it fondly even if it is an anxious moment today. It was his way of telling us to be present in this moment, to experience the joy and the sweetness of this time. And in the end, Tim says, I think I've learned my final lesson from my travels in time. The truth is now I don't travel back at all, not even for the day. I just try to live every day as if I've come back to this one day to enjoy it, as if it was the full final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. May it be so, and may God be our guide. Amen. Thanks once again for joining us on The Gathering Podcast. Grace and peace, y'all.